Welcome to the Payments Podium podcast hosted by the payments professor himself, Kevin Olson. This podcast discusses the past, present, and the possibilities of the payments industry. Here's the show. Hey, everybody. Payments professor here, and I want to welcome you to the Payments Podium. We're going to talk about little money today, or mini money, or micro money or something like that. I've got Nancy McKenzie from Affirmative Technology. She's going to explain a little bit more. You probably have heard Nancy on before. She is a a regular guest. She's one that's out there at a lot of conferences. She's doing a lot speaking on what's happening in the world of risk, especially in third parties and in a lot of other areas. And today she's gracing us to talk about, well, what are we going to talk about today, Nancy? Micro entries. Little bitty. Micro entries. Little bitty entries. Well, what, 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 okay. I, I know we make fun there, little bitty entries, but could you explain what a micro entry actually is? Sure. So the micro entries have been used for a long time. So this isn't something new, but we are going to define them with a rule that it's going to be coming effective really soon, September 16th of 2022. So right around the corner. Micro entries were designed for account validation. Uh, So the originator would determine whether or not the account was truly an account. It was having the right routing number on it and the account number was correct. And a lot of times those micro entries um, had credits and then offsetting debits with them. So uh, it's now being very defined within the rules that the micro entries are entries that are less than a dollar. And if you have a credit entry, then you would need to um, either have just the credit entry go and just stay in the account. Or if you're going to take that credit back, then you're going to have a debit entry that would offset it that would not be more than that credit, but it would also need to settle at the same time. All right, Nancy, you just unloaded a whole lot right there. You got a little excited. All I asked is, what's a micro-entry? Now, now, let me verify. A micro-entry is just a little bit of money sent as a credit to validate an account. That's it. Yes. Okay. Why do people do that? Why do people just send a little bit of money to validate an account? Well, they want to make certain that the person that is generating that origination entry is really a true person. And we've seen in our industry um, within the last year or two, a lot of fraud. And we have been seeing that the bad actors will send little bitty transactions to see if the accounts are open and good. And then they start using them in bad, fraudulent ways. So fraudsters basically can take these micro entries as a way to kind of, it's a phishing scheme in some ways. They're phishing to see if they can catch a, an account. The credentials are correct. Is, is that right? Is that one of the way the processors use it? Yeah, that is correct. That is correct. So and you know, micro entries, if they're little tiny entries to validate an account, is this something just brand new? Like did this just start this year? Is this the first time we've ever seen this? No, not at all. We've been using these for years. And most recently, um, I think that, It's probably been within, we'll say, the last five years. Financial institutions are using their micro entries as a way for account validation through their online banking platforms. So um, those micro entries then will go into that account. Then they're asked, the consumer, the customer is asked to put the amount of those micro entries into 
the online banking platform as a method of validation that they are who they say they are. Okay, so this is something the industry's had for a while, a practice using micro entries. And, and I love that you mentioned the fraudsters have used them too. So if we've been doing it for a while, why are we getting this new rule on September 16th? Well, because we have seen an increase in not just the micro entries, but an increase in the fraud. And we've never had them defined as really what they are within the uh, NACHA operating rules and guidelines. So this new rule will define what a micro entry is and what the formatting of the micro entry is, as well as what is going to be required of uh, an originator, as well as an ODFI and an RDFI, which just to define who those people are, an originator is going to be a company a lot of times that is going to be generating the ACH entries, um, whether they be credits or debits. And then uh, the ODFI is the originating depository financial institution and the RDFI is the receiving depository financial institution. So the new rule defines what a micro entry is. The new rule says there's gonna be some formatting requirements. And then also says it, the requirements will be in place for whoever sends these entries, for the financial institutions that are sending and receiving them as well. Correct. Okay, well, let's get to it then. What, what Define a micro entry for me. Okay, so what, what's the definition of a micro entry besides it's little bitty money? It's a little bitty money. Uh, so the definition, and um, I'm kind of uh, reading this because I want to be very specific. Um, the micro entry is uh, a credit or debit entry used by an originator for the purpose of verifying a receiver's account or an individual's access to an account. Credit micro entries must be in an amount of less than $1. One or more debit micro entries must not exceed in total the amount of a corresponding credit micro entry. The definition will accommodate the existing practice of offsetting the amounts of credit micro entries with one or more debits, which nets the total verification practice of zero. So in other words, they've got to be balanced. They've got to come to a zero amount, right? If you're going to be using credits and debits and permits that debit offset to be greater than um, and does not permit the credit to be more than a dollar to offset that credit micro entry. So that is the definition. And we're having a new addition into the section eight of the ACH um, operating rules and guidelines that will have that definition included. So that definition, you're pulling that from NACHA literature, I'm assuming, because I, I want everybody to understand that, you know, we love you listening to the podcast. If there is, though, ever a question and you want to verify, NACHA is the owner of the ACH rules. They are the overseer, the creator of the ACH rules, and always, always recommend go to their site, look at their information. Like Nancy just said, she mentioned the ACH rules, the NACHA operating rules. That's always a great resource as well. So it simply, let's just put it in layman's terms, though. What's a micro entry? It's simplest definition. Simplest definition is it's just a small dollar amount under a dollar that is going to verify the account, as well as the account owner's access to that account. Okay. And then you mentioned offsets because you said, if I'm correct, the general practice in this is people will send a credit, a small credit under a dollar. 
but because that's just to test and just to validate the account, they didn't send the offsetting debit to get their money back. Is, is that right? Correct. That is well, correct. Yes. How do I know then if I'm one of these receiving financial institutions, how do I know that this low under a dollar transaction is a micro entry or it's really a regular transaction? That's a really good question, Kevin, because that's one of the other purposes behind the new rule. Because right now you really can't tell because there are true transactions going through the ACH network that are under a dollar. They may be interest payments or they may be some sort of other um, payment of some nature, a, you know, a refund or whatever it might be. So the rule will define the micro entry because we need to have in the company entry description field a word, which is A-C-C-T-B-E-R-I-F-Y, account verify. Very similar to the way that we're identifying ACH batches that have a company entry description field of reversal or retry payment. So we are now defining a micro entry batch with that company entry description. So account verify, shortened account, ACCT verify, in the company entry description, that will be my alert if I'm a receiving financial institution that I've got a micro entry that I'm dealing with. And if I'm studying for the AAP exam, I probably should know that too, I'm gonna go ahead and say. And that way too, now does that have to be there for the credit and the debit though? So is that how I'll know that the offsetting debit, that that's the offsetting debit? Absolutely, correct. And there is another part to this rule that when you're sending a micro deposit with the account verify in the company entry description field, the company name of whoever is the originator needs to be similar, if not the same, as their live dollar amount once they have gotten that account verified. Well, I, I get that. I, I've seen in the industry where you'll have a company like I went through a, a case here in Central Florida. You might remember it years ago where a major telecom provider, Internet provider changed their name, but did not tell any of their customers they changed their name. And suddenly people were getting these bills from a name they didn't recognize. And all these returns that shouldn't have happened started to happen. So is that the purpose for this company name to make sure people know why it's coming in? Absolutely, because yeah, the consumers need to be aware of who is doing these transactions. Even if they're small, they still need to know who it is that they're doing business with because there's just been a lot of bad actors in the industry that have made things really difficult for financial institutions as well as consumers. You know, it's, it's really hard to keep up with all of the things that are, are happening within um, the financial world, right? Because gosh, I think everybody probably has experienced a entry in their account. They look at their online banking statement and they go, where did that come from? Right. And we start disputing it. And so there's a lot of uh, new laws and regulations going around the consumer protection and their rights behind whether these transactions are authorized or not. Well, and as far as keeping up too, it is a lot to keep up with as far as all the changes, let alone as an account holder, but people like us, and that's why people like us are here to be able to help all of you out there listening to this. 
And Nancy, I also believe you said that there was a couple of phases that this is going into effect. So phase one, what's in phase one? Have we, have we got phase one covered yet? You said September 6th? We, yeah, we do. So first off, I just want to mention, you had um, said, Kevin, earlier about the fact that when we are referencing what these new rules are, you know, NACHA is the governing body over the adoption of these rules. And so they are going to be your... Um, go to to get the details about this particular new rule and the two phases that are part of it. And just so that you're aware, it was distributed on February 28th of 2022. It's their operating um, bulletin and supplement number 1-2022 when you're looking for it. And it does come out in two phases. Phase one is going to be effective September 16th of 2022. Phase two is March 17th of 2023. So what, so, and, what again is in phase one, just to make sure, because that's coming up real soon. It is coming up real soon. So in phase one, we are going to be uh, defining what a microentry is, okay? And so we have the- That's our less uh, than a dollar. That's just making yeah. sure that if you do the offset, it equals the credit, right? Correct. And, and the, the right. name. Yeah. And then we also, um, in phase one, are going to start having the word account verify in the company um, entry description field. So originators should be starting to do account verify in that company entry description field starting September 16th. I'm going to go and do it. Just do it. Yes. Not not should. Yes, you should. But do it. Everybody do it. If everybody does this stuff. The, the whole what, industry benefits. Yes. Well, let's clarify because I did say should, but in the rule, it says must. Ah. It does say must. Originators must use account verify. So their ODFIs should be educating them because why? Their ODFI is responsible for everything their originators do. If their originators are not abiding by the ACH rules, they could get called to the table from Nacha and say, hey, you are not in compliance with the ACH rules and it could possibly lead to a violation. We want to keep the integrity of the ACH network going, so we are going to follow the rules. This podcast is brought to you by the VSoft Corporation. VSoft offers core processing, digital banking, and payment processing solutions for financial institutions of all sizes. Follow us on Twitter at vsoft underscore corp and online at vsoftcorp.com. Okay, back to the show. I like the following the rules. And those of you listening, especially the originating financial institutions, if you don't know how this is going to appear in your software or you don't know how it's going to appear in your customer software, talk to them. Talk to the software providers, go to the Nacha website, download these bulletins, provide it to them to show that you're not making this stuff up and that this has got to be done for compliance purposes and reasons. All right. So that's True. phase one. So, that's great. Well, I'm not done yet. There's oh, one more thing. One more thing. The company name must be easily recognizable to the receivers and the same or similar to what their um, entries will be once they become live. So those are all part of phase one, all right? But now phase two. Oh, here we go. The fun stuff, right? Yeah. The fun stuff always comes in the second part. It it does. It does. So phase two is very briefly written. 
Okay. It's just basically two little sentences. So it's a little writing for a little entry. <laughs> it is. And when I first looked at this, I didn't really think much about it. But you really need to dissect these statements. Okay. okay. In phase two, March 17th, 2023, originators must, okay, this is not a should, must use commercially reasonable fraud detection on their micro entries. Okay. And I really don't like the term commercially reasonable. And I think a lot of people out there would agree with me because what does that mean? But I've got a good idea of what I believe it means in this rule. Yeah, commercially and reasonable is the hardest definition in our industry because it changes every day. It does. Uh, but the second part is very interesting. So the second statement of phase two is this includes monitoring forward and return micro entry volumes. Now that right. sounds like, well, okay, what does that mean? You start thinking about it, it's monitoring. We already need to monitor returns, correct? We have a return rate monitoring that we have had to be doing on any of our debits. And then return rate monitoring is gonna be divided down into the different SEC codes and we have to know the originators and what their return rates are on unauthorized 0.5%, administrative 3%, and overall 15%. Those are the allowed amounts, right? That uh -huh. NACHA has put not only on the originators, but also the financial institutions that are originating entries. So anything that they're sending out in a debit form from online banking, from their loan servicing, for what credit card payments or whatever they may have, they should be doing return rate monitoring. So when we're talking about monitoring, we have to define micro entries and now monitor the returns and the forward entries. So that means the credits and the debits. We need to monitor. Right, right away, I, I can tell you now, people are out there listening going, how in the world am I supposed to be able to monitor these? How will I be able to identify and monitor these entries if that's the requirement. Yeah, because, you know, Kevin, I've done lots, probably hundreds of audits, risk assessments, right, in my career. I've, I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> and the majority of the financial institutions that I did audits or risk assessments on, I found that either they weren't doing return rate monitoring or they were trying to use a spreadsheet or maybe they had a report from their core that would be something that they would pull and look at maybe once a month. They might have a report from the Fed that they were using. It's always a reactive monitoring system, something, a lot of manual tasks. Mm -hmm. And that's a difficult way to monitor on, on a reactive way, right? So how are you going to do this? You're going to have to first identify your microentry batches, and, and keep in mind, because we have a company entry description field of account verify, we're not mixing live entries of other things in with that, because we're defining that you're going to have a micro entry under a dollar and the company entry description field needs to be account verified. So there, that's how you can identify them for the monitoring purposes. Yeah. And okay. you're going to have to separate them. So basically, the way I see it is you're going to have two sets of books. You're going to have two sets of books 
one for your return rate monitoring of debit entries that you're doing now, currently in place or should be. And if you're not, you better have it written up on your audit. <laughs> and <laughs> your second set is going to be for your micro entries. So how are you going to do that? You're going to need to find some solution to help you do this because trying to do it manually is going to be very, very difficult. Let's hit on that manually for a minute because I know, uh, uh, unfortunately, I've been around. Well, fortunately, I've been around the industry for a long time myself, too. You talk about those hundreds of audits. Are there people out there, and some of you listening, you might be shaking your head, but are there people out there that still do this with spreadsheets manually? Oh, all the time. All, all the time. When I'm doing my speaking engagements, many times I will ask the audience, how many of you are using spreadsheets? Sometimes I get people kind of like, don't want, don't look at me. But I go, come on, I know you are. And then all of a sudden everybody's like, me. Everybody is trying to use spreadsheets to try to manage not only the monitoring process, but their, their risks that go along with being an ODFI. And, and that's the, acceptable, right? They can do it, it that is. way. It's not wrong. It's just not preferred. It's not preferred. So that's a very um, interesting thing because now as I have been involved in many of uh, the committees within the industry, I sit on a lot of project committee uh, meetings with NACHA, with the Payments Innovation Alliance, and with a lot of the payments associations. Uh, we've been talking about these micro entries. So I wanted to really dig into this a little bit more. So I uh, spoke with Amy Morris, who is the senior director of the ACH Network uh, Rules from NACHA to brilliant. confirm my understanding of what this actually means and the responsibilities that is going to be placed on not only the originators, because it does speak of their originators, but on the ODFIs, because the ODFIs are responsible for everything their originators do. So March 17th, of 2023 is not very far away. And you don't have to just start it then, but you should be planning ahead on what you're going to do, right? And finding that solution of who is going to be able to help you with that, or are you going to try to do it manually, right? Um, now, there's something else that we also should just identify, Kevin, in uh, regard to the impact. We've been talking a lot about originators as well as the ODFIs. Yes. But the RDFIs are mentioned in this as well. And they should consider incorporating a micro entry activity into their existing fraud detection programs, such as for AML and money mule detection processes. We, as a financial industry, are one of the frontline people that are able to identify where, when we might have a money mule situation going on, and micro entries could definitely indicate that we've got a member or one of our customers that have gotten swindled into giving their account information for purposes of money mule, moving that money into a bad actor's hands. Uh-huh. So we don't want to forget about So there's a lot, right? really, really. You, you're there's, talking there's multiple sides here. Fraud detection, monitoring of forward and return entries. I know to that I, I love getting your point of view because I know you work with affirmative technologies. You guys are always on top of what's happening in the world of risk. You stand on top of what's happening with fraud. 
And on the monitoring part of it too, it's like, you're the perfect person to talk about these little entries, which I think people are realizing there's a lot too. Now you've mentioned all of this. And before we run out of time, one of the key things I want to hear is what do you really think that people are going to need to do on top of this? You're talking about going and monitoring it. To meet these responsibilities, what can they do? What would you say, folks, those of you who are out here as an ODFI, I want you to go do this. Here's your homework from the payments podium, not from the professor. This one's coming from Nancy. Here's your homework. Right. Go do this now. Yeah, so I'm going to refer back to Amy Morris again in our conversation because as I had um, brought to her opinion, I wanted to see, is this really the way that we should be looking at this? When you're talking about return rate monitoring, you should have an automated way to monitor these debits that you're currently having to do and be able to tie an alert to when your originator is having an increase in those unauthorized returns or an increase in their administrative returns. Then, now like I had mentioned, we basically have a second set of books that we're going to need to monitor those microdeposits, credits, and debits, and be able to tie alerts to them when we have an increase in either one of those. How are you going to do it? You've got to have an automated solution. You've got to have a solution that you can rely on that is going to calculate these things for you according to the rules. And we do have two methods of of, uh, monitoring those, right? We've got two different ones within the rules. And maybe we could talk about that at another time. But we're going to need to have some automated solution because trying to do this manually is just not going to happen. So not that we're on this podcast, Kevin, for a a definite plug for affirmative technologies, but I, you are right. I'm, I'm, the company is on top of the, the industry. We're on top of the latest um, and most important topics. And this is an important topic. And we are ready. Well, we okay. already do this. I, I do want to say, though, there are those people that are out there doing it manually. And that is allowed. That it does allowed. meet the requirement. It does meet the requirement. It does. As long as you're actually calculating it correctly. Okay, so make certain that you're calculating it correctly. You are meeting what the rules do say, but if you want to really stay on top of your risk management, having some automated solution is definitely going to help you do that. Now, why? Why is this so important? We have seen some execution orders come out to some financial institutions that have not stayed on top of their risk management when it comes to identifying where we may have some fraud going on, either through an originator or just an ACH transaction overall. And because they have not had their risk management uh, programs that would include a way to identify these types of unusual transactions, they are starting to get called out by their regulators, by FinCEN, and they're starting to get fined. So this is not going away. It's only becoming a more and more important thing that you have some sort of an automated solution to help you get that risk management um, task done more efficiently. If I heard you correctly, then the risk of not doing this or the risk of not doing this correctly 
So those of you who are doing it manually and you're looking for, hey, how do I convince my boss to buy me some application? And there are others out there besides affirmative. I do want to make sure that you do know there are other options. Look at all your options, find what works right. best for you. But how can I convince my boss to do this? If I heard you right, the risk is there's a potential for fines that can come from within the industry, the regulators, uh, even NACHA, you know, if you yes. don't calculate this right, you allow originators to do things they shouldn't. And that it, it's got to be done correctly. And you, uh, you, the worst thing I know about you monitoring all of this is if it's not done correctly, the way you find out is one of these regulating bodies or NACHA contacts you because they have figured it out and you're the last right. one to know. And you know, Kevin, here's here's another point. I had um, my chairman of the board kind of ask me about these questions because I was I was bringing it to the attention um, that this is going to be something that our industry is going to need to do. And he said, "Well, how does NACHA enforce these types of things?" I said, "Well, one way is that you are required to do an annual ACH audit by December 31 of every year." And you need to make certain that your originators are, if they're third-party centers or payment processors, which the payment processors, it's a very common thing for them to use microdeposits. I was just speaking with one payment processor yesterday, and I brought up to them about the microdeposit rule. And their ODFI has not said a thing to them. And yes, they do originate microdeposits. And they had no idea that this was happening. So... And then I asked him, are you doing an ACH audit? No. Wow. So this is how we enforce it. We need to make certain that they are doing their audits. Because again, we as the ODFIs are going to need to be aware that we're responsible for everything those originators who are originating micro deposits follow the rules. So making certain that you have your risk assessments done. And do those risk assessments based upon the activity that you have within your organization and do an annual audit by December 31 of every year. And this is a compliance audit, right? We are going to start going back into the Appendix 8 thing. That's been gone for several years now. (laughs) You need to do a compliance audit, which means that you are going to have, as part of your audit, how you are um, testing against the individual rules. Well, Nancy, we sure did find a way to talk a lot about little bitty entries. Now, before I let you go, can you just give us, again, one more reminder uh, quickly on the phases of when these will become actual rules that everybody needs to be in compliance with? Yes. So phase one is going to be effective September 16th of 2022. That's going to define what a microentry is and require the originators to put account verify in their company entry description field. And then we also are going to um, make certain that the company names are similar or the same in those entry, in those batches files. And then phase two is going to be effective on March 17th, so St. Patrick's Day, on 2023. And we're going to need to make certain that we have originators that are using a commercially reasonable fraud detection system, as well as monitoring their forward and return micro entries. 
All right. So September 16th, 2022. And hopefully you'll find a little pot of gold on March 17th, 2023, when part two goes live. It's about time to ring the bell on this class, though. I am the payments professor. Nancy, I thank you so much for being here and discussing micro entries with us. And folks, of those of you out here listening, you can find Nancy McKenzie. She's all over LinkedIn or you can contact me and we'll definitely get you in touch with her. Uh, if you got a topic you'd like to have discussed, like I think Nancy mentioned how to actually monitor the two methods for doing your returns. You want something like that? Email me, Kevin at paymentsprofessor.com. I'll do all I can to get people like Nancy, other experts that I know in the industry too, to discuss those topics that are important to you. But for now, class dismissed. Thank you for listening to the Payments Podium Podcast. See you on Thursday.